Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy. This podcast is a production of Sweat Angels. Sweat Angels helps gym owners generate friend-to-friend referrals on Facebook. Every month, thousands of affiliate gyms, group fitness clubs, yoga studios, and martial arts schools rely on Sweat Angels to help them grow. To learn more about Sweat Angels, head to causely.com forward slash sweat angels. That's causely.com forward slash sweat angels. Or just search for us on Facebook. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Ruggi. And I'm Matt Sharp. In today's episode, we'll talk to Chris Pirelli, owner of Pixel Mob and all around fitness video expert. If you're a gym owner who wants to get started with video, this is the episode for you. Chris talks about why video is such an important part of marketing a gym how to create your very first video, and even talks about some of the common mistakes to avoid. He'll also recommend his favorite apps and add-ons to take your video quality to the next level. So without further ado, let's welcome Chris to the show. So we are very, very excited to have Chris Pirelli on the show from Pixel Mob and uh, Dojo Videos. I met Chris at a uh, MMA gym owners conference a few months ago with Alan Belcher and was really blown away by his uh, presentation to all of the gym owners there and, and trying to really make, uh, making video, making really good video accessible to basically every gym owner and really talked about the importance of creating content. So ever since then, we've been going back and forth, trying to get him on the show. He's got tons and tons of projects going on. I'm sure he'll talk about. Um, but, uh, thank you, Chris, for being on the show. And could you just kind of get us started by telling us a little bit about your background and kind of how you kind of got into the business and, you know, how, how we got to where you are today. Absolutely. So first and foremost, thank you gentlemen for having me on. You bet. Um, so my background is, uh, for lack of a better word is, is, is it goes in a bunch of different directions. So initially, uh, coming out of school, I was working on wall street for eight, eight nine years almost, uh, until the nine 11 tax. And at that point I decided, Hey, listen, if I'm going to be blown up in a building, I'm going to make sure that what I do in life, I love. So at that point, I went back to school for a few years, got my degree and was working at an agency and decided, hey, this guy is doing it. I can do this. I've always been into strength training. I've been training martial arts for half my life. I've been boxing since I'm 15. And it was just always been a a passion of mine to be in the fitness world. I've been... I could remember back in when I was maybe like 19 years old, picking up the book for Body for Life from Bill Phillips mm-hmm. and reading that and just trying to, uh, you know, develop a sense of how to build my own muscle and whatnot. So with that, we started a production company. I've been doing graphic design on the side and I met a guy named Mike Hanley who decided that he was going to give us a project to do. So we did a video project for him to sell as an informational product. Before that, I was just doing videos and, you know, stuff for local restaurants and whatnot. And he showed me this blueprint of, hey, listen, this is what we do. I take my pack, my, my coaching and I package it up into this product and I sell it. And this was probably about 2005. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. He was like, yeah, because the thing is, as a coach, you could really only affect maybe people in your area 10, 15 miles outside. People are not going to travel, you know, two hours to come unless you're a, a, a world famous coach and whatnot and you're at, you know, the NFL league or the UFC. But people are not going to really travel that far. So he created this informational product. I created it for him. We shot some awesome trailers and it did really well. 
from that, uh, James Smith, Smitty, contacted me to do a product for him and Joe DeFranco. And we started to do all the products for Joe DeFranco. And these products have sold a, a copious amount of money over the years. And from then, we, we just built up this business, uh, Pixel Mob, where we've worked with uh, Coach Robert Dos Remedios, Patrick Beeth. We've worked with Adam Bornstein, John Romanello, Dean Somerset, Mike Robertson, Andy McCloy. We've pretty much worked with everybody in the in the top of the industry. Currently, I'm working uh, with Adam Bornstein and Tim Ferriss for the past year to do a lot of the social media marketing and whatnot. And it has just been building over the course of the last decade, and it's been pretty pretty amazing to say the least. And one of the things that I see that is really great for anybody in the fitness industry, anybody in the combat sport industry, in the martial art industry, is you can affect so many people's lives and change so many lives by packaging up the knowledge that you have. And people say, well, you know, hey, I'm just a coach, I'm a trainer, but everybody is an expert in something. And being able to package that up and get it out to the masses and make sales while you're sleeping is unprecedented. So can you tell us a little bit about the business you have now? I know Pixel Mob is the, the project you're most uh, closely involved with right now. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about that and, and what you're working on? Yeah, so <laughs> my life has been pretty sleepless the last couple of uh, months. So I own Pixel Mob. I'm the creative director and the executive producer at Pixel Mob. And Pixel Mob does a lot of the fitness-oriented uh, informational products. I also am the owner and founder of Dojo Muscle. Dojo Muscle is a martial arts print marketing company. Um, we just recently rolled out, and when I was at the Combat Con, how I met Matt, is we were speaking for the Dojo Videos product, which is another uh, kind of like a a spinoff of Dojo Muscle. So what Dojo Muscle was originally was, hey, a lot of guys came to us, we charge kind of high prices for custom design, but they were like, we don't need custom design. And I was helping the school uh, that I train at, I trained Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he's like, my coach was like, hey, why don't you just create a bunch of templates, put them up on a site, and see, you know, see if you can sell some of these things with drop shift printing. So I was like, okay, fine. I ran a Google ad. The first sale that I got was Alan Belcher, which I was like, whoa, Alan Belcher, that's a UFC <laughs> fighter. So from there, it grew. We went from zero to actually from about four clients to currently we're at about 400 clients. And what we did was create that, take that exact, exact same model and we created it for video because video right now is the hottest thing for social media, for advertising. It is, in my opinion, the epitome of marketing online. And it is the present and the future. If you look at the stats across the board, video is just growing and growing and growing. And a lot of the other types of marketing is kind of like the, the old school text ads and whatnot. It's kind of like falling to the wayside a little bit and being a lot more expensive. So with that, I created, and we're about to roll this out in the next two weeks or so, uh, a product called the video authority and the video authority is going to teach you how to make amazing videos on your mobile phone that's ultimately going to make you more money so i'm really curious to hear more about the why behind video so i know from your own experience video has been huge and i know that's certainly a lot um sorry 
that's something that many people uh, have observed. But can you tell some maybe some stories of gym owners who have switched to using video for their content and how that's changed their business? Yes, definitely. So, okay. I would say for a long time, we've all in the fitness world, in the martial arts world, everybody's kind of used opt-in pages and a lot of copy. Now, copy is great. Uh, opt-in pages are a great apparatus to you know drive leads into your funnel. But the thing that copy tries to do is create an emotion. Now, the problem with that for so long has been that you have to kind of put that work on to the person. So they have to read your copy, they have to understand it, digest it, and then make a decision from it. Video puts the person in the passenger seat. It makes them a spectator. It makes them, all they have to do is sit back, watch, and feel. And video connects the senses better than any other medium out there. So creating content for your gym, even if it's, it doesn't have, uh, pe people I think get a little confused and they think that they have to have these high production, huge productions, and otherwise it's not going to, to work. Some of the best videos that I've watched are just somebody talking to a camera and they have said something that resonated in my head and I'm like, wow, you know what? That whole day I was thinking about that one little tip, you know, that one little thing that they, they said, you never know what it is that you bring to the table that could connect with somebody and make them a prospect or a future customer. Yeah. Kelly star. That's a great example of that. I remember <clears throat> when I first heard about him, uh, it was, I heard about this guy doing mobility on YouTube and I was like, who, like who would be like talking about stretching on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> right. And now, I mean, he's killing it. But I, I remember when I went to his YouTube channel and it, somehow I learned that he was, he said he was going to create one video per day and he didn't, he didn't, it didn't matter to him like where he was at. I mean, some of these videos have been on airplanes while they're getting ready to take off. Uh, I've, I've, I've helped him film one at a gym one time after a seminar, like it did not matter. He had one video per day. And I think within probably maybe a year and a half, two years of him starting to do that, he had a monster following on YouTube uh, and Facebook. And I remember uh, hearing about Google actually inviting him to come speak because he just went into this with like, I'm just going to create something every day and it will get better and better over time. But he never got hung up on it. Had to be this amazing production value. All of his videos that I've ever seen were filmed. Uh, all the videos that he did were filmed on an iPhone and it was literally just him holding the phone he would start the video. He'd say, you know, Kelly, start out today. I'm going to talk about X. And then he would, he, sometimes he would hand the phone to somebody to hold for him. Or sometimes the whole video, he was just holding the phone and right. people loved it because they loved what he was talking about. And I think there's, there's just a more, it's just more authentic too. Sometimes when you have a lot of those videos, you feel like you're really seeing the real person. You know, it's not, it's not overly pr produced. Um, I think there's a, I always think there's, there's a place for both of those. Um, Absolutely. but the, the gyms, especially people that I work with, I always tell them just start creating stuff and you'll get better in the beginning. It'll be rough. Um, but if you just start doing it, you don't have to get hung up on, is this the amazing camera angle? You know, is the, is the lighting just right? Cause that stuff will get better over time, but you, it's, it's really hard to start at perfect with that. Absolutely. I think that that's another sticking point for a lot of people too, is they get, 
and I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the first person to say this. This happened for me. I'm so used to being on the back side of the camera. So when I was on the front side of the camera, I was like a deer in the headlight. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, it, it takes some time to kind of find your voice and to find, because I think that what we do when we first start recording videos is we want to say and do things that other people are going to uh, accept per se, instead of just being exactly who you would be if you were sitting having a beer with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what resonates with people, the realness, you know, celebrating your highs and your lows, showing your strengths plus your weaknesses. That is what makes a real person a real person. And I think that um, when you're creating videos, like you said, there's never going to be a point that I don't think that high production value is going to go away because there's a time to have high production value. And then there's a time to have real raw uh, types of videos and to have, I, I think personally to have both is extremely powerful. And there's guys like if you take uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, for instance, right? He's killing he, it right now. A video. He's destroying it. Not he only just that, started doing that. Maybe to me, maybe, you know, but like I thought it was like maybe in the last six months, he really started getting into video. He's been do so. His, I mean, with it, with his per like his personal development, his personal brand, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, the business felt. But he like with uh, wine, wine library TV. Like, if you look back at some of those old videos, they were rough. You yes, know, and he'll he'll look back at them, talk about how rough they and were. And he still does the ones where he's just right in front of the camera at his desk. He can see the office activity behind him, but then he still has those high production ones that absolutely are at the other end of the spectrum. Yes, exactly. That matter of fact, I was just watching one today where he's just going off like on a tangent, screaming at the camera, dropping the f bomb about some some uh, team losing. I get, I'm assuming that so one of his basketball teams he follows losing, and that that was it. And so like that's the real raw uncut Gary Vee. And then he has those videos where sometimes like he'll be in the backseat of a cab, and it'll be really well produced. And those are the parables, and those that in my opinion is something that every single gym owner, any, any single, every single entrepreneur really who has a small business to leverage social media that way, that is, in my opinion, the present and the future of where marketing is going to be and stay. Yeah, I feel he is super authentic in those videos. Mm -hmm. You know, and, I, and that, I think that comes off because he has that combo of the, you know, high production value. And then the ones where he's just like on the street Monday morning, people are walking by like saying hi like I, I don't know i really i really those really resonate with me because i just feel like they're real like mm -hmm. it's very authentic right you know and then and then when he has a high production one i want to go watch it because of those other ones you know i f yeah i feel like those other ones the, it, it gives like a contrast because you you're seeing raw video raw video raw video and then when you see a production value it even raises the production value even more because it's such a, a stark contrast to what he's normally doing yeah, you're like rooting for him, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> you've, yes. be you've become a fan through these uh, these, these little kind of quick hitters. And then when they do put together something that's really cool, you're just like, oh, this is amazing, like so much better. You already feel like you know him as a person from those raw videos. And like you said, when you see the highly produced one, then you almost feel like happy for him or proud of what he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that every single person who's especially like a, a gym owner, uh, a buddy of mine, Pete Isip, he runs Crank. Uh, he is somebody who puts out a lot of content and 
he shows his realness. And I think that showing who you really are is going to, listen, you're going to polarize people no matter what. If you try to be pretend and be something that you're not, you're going to offend people. If you try to be yourself, you're going to offend people, but you're going to attract the people that really is your target market. And it's okay. That's just, that's life. But I think that everybody, if I could give any advice for people just starting out is to just get started. Stop overthinking it so much. Just get on a camera, put it on your phone, turn it to your, you know, put it, put it in your face, start making videos. Even if you do, like when I first started, I did 10 that I deleted because they were just so bad, <laughs> but just do them. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to publish them all. Just start getting used to being on camera, seeing yourself, hearing your voice. That's a huge part. I think most you people get scared. You have to overcome scared. that. Yeah, you do that. You have to get over that. Yeah, you hear your voice and you're like, who is that person? That's how I sound. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah you so, seen, have you seen uh, Bedros' first video? I, he's got his a first uh, video? His arm in a cast. Yeah, he's got his pretty famous first video. And he's basically, yeah, he his head is shaved. The light is really dark. He's got a cast. He describes himself as uh, basically looking like he's making a terrorist video. Yeah. It's the worst, like it's the worst production video ever. But he he uses that as an example of you know like that video made him a lot of money. Yeah, and it was just because he just started you know talking about things that he was passionate about, and uh, now his videos are you know highly produced and, or, and look really really sharp. But that first one was really mm-hmm. rough. But um, he used that example all the time. So on that yeah. note, Chris, what if if you're making your first video, what are there are some basic, you know, mistakes you can avoid right off the bat that are just so 101 that almost anyone can put them to use. Can you share what those are? Like, I mean, maybe you know, not film right into the sun. That's kind of a no-brainer. But what are the others? Yeah, okay. mainly like if somebody's listening and now they're fired up. What like what are the basics? Okay, so um, some of the basics are keeping the video uh, content length. I would say try to keep them under two minutes when you're first starting out. As you start to build up uh, repertoire and you start to build up steam, then you could release longer videos. See, the thing is, one of the things, and this is something that we go over heavily in the Video Authority, is creating videos for the web is not creating videos for TV or movies. It's completely different. When you're watching TV, you're a spectator. You're sitting there, you, do, you have your remote, your beer, your chips, whatever it is that you're doing, but you're pretty much just sitting there watching. You're, when you're surfing the net, when you're online, you're, interact, you're interacting with the, uh, the internet. So it's a, it's a lot more where people's attention span, you know, they don't read on, on the net, they surf. So the attention span is not the same as sitting there watching TV. So when you're first creating your videos for the web, do not put video uh, logos. Do not have uh, long, drawn-out things at the begin at the very beginning of your your video. It, if you have to, the first five seconds is the most crucial part of all videos on social media, all videos on the web. In the first five seconds, it, studies show, especially on YouTube, that and and Facebook, that uh, there's a high drop-off rate after the first five seconds. So if you don't capture their attention and you don't specifically say what this video is about in the first five seconds, you risk losing them. That's tip number one. Tip number two would be, if you're gonna hold the phone yourself, get a selfie stick. You can be a narcissist and take selfies all day if you'd like, but 
get a selfie stick because it helps you keep that phone stable. It helps you move around and it kind of parallaxes the background. And the third tip I would say is if you're worried about the way you look, because I know that all of us are worried about the way we look on camera and we all kind of judge ourselves very harshly. You can run out and get a cheap on-camera light or you can use the light on your phone. Uh, actually, if you're facing it towards yourself, you can't do that. You would need to get a light because if people are going to film outside, that's one thing. Like you said, harsh sunlight in the face, not, not a good look. Um, but if you, most people have overhead lights in their gym. So an overhead light is going to kind of make you look like a zombie, like you haven't slept for a week. And what it's going to do is since it's casting light overhead, it's going to hit, you know, your eyes are going to be shadowed from your eyebrow ridges. If you have a little bit of a light or if you can get near the, the front of your, your uh, facility and have some light that's coming in to just fill in your face a little bit more, that goes a long way. These little tiny tips just make your production a lot better. And this is even when just creating raw video. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, high, high production value, but just these little tiny tips will go a long way. Do the you, final, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say along that lines, do you recommend shooting like maybe five or six seconds and just to see what it looks like and then playing it back? Always. Just, okay. Before yeah, you actually go into the video as opposed to just like starting and then you've spent 90 seconds talking about something but you look like a zombie yes absolutely you know what i i did a video probably about uh two months ago where i guess my thumb was holding the microphone where the <laughs> microphone was and i rambled on for like literally five minutes and i was like wow that's such an awesome video and when i played it back i was like wow i sound <laughs> like i'm in it. a wind tunnel yeah <laughs> so the whole thing was you know and and i've been doing this for for a long time so we all make mistakes so it's important to definitely take some some footage, okay. play it back and, and see how it sounds. Any other audio tips besides not putting your finger over the microphone? Um, so if you're filming with your mobile phone, I would say that you can get a small little plug-in mic that will be a directional, and I can send you a link after this, you can post it in there. Okay. It's a little directional piece that you plug into your headphone jack, and it will help you, you know, gather the sound and, and kind of focus the sound rather than just having, cause if you're in a gym and people are kicking pads or they're doing barbells, the deadlifts and dropping the thing, you're going to hear all that background noise. So if you can focus the sound with a little microphone, that's a great look. The only thing is I'm going to say that, you know, these microphones are probably like 50, 50 bucks and they're not, you know, it's definitely not stellar, but it's better than having nothing. Okay. That's good to know. Fifth tip. I'm sorry, say, say that again? Oh, fifth tip. I thought you were leading into another oh, tip. Oh, yeah, fifth yep. tip. I, I had one more tip. What was I saying? Oh, yes. <clears throat> Big part of this. Write down the key points that you want to cover. I think writing it down, not typing it out, writing it down old school with a pen or a pencil is a huge part because we all have a habit of getting on video and start rambling off. you know. And then you're six minutes in and you kind of touched on how the state of fitness industry is, your dog, your cat, and how, you know, you start going off on tangents. So write down exactly, the first thing is to write down what the video is. The second two tips are 
uh, and the second two points of what you want to cover and then just a closing statement. And that'll keep you on track. You have, you can refer to it. You can refer to it as you're, you're making the video or you could just read it a few times and then get on video. I think that planning to all videos is the, is the biggest part of creating good content. And, and we go over that in the video authority a lot because planning for any production is the, the, the pre-planning is the biggest part of how successful that shoot and how successful ultimately that video is going to be in the end. If you're planning full short, you're going to be creating stuff just haphazardly and it kind of wastes a lot of time, wastes a lot of energy, and you're like, like all over the place. So planning stuff out at the beginning is key. Yeah, so one of, that's, 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 those are awesome tips. Uh, one of the things, <laughs> I remember when you spoke, when you got up, when you got up front, one of the first things you said were, were People are still holding their phones vertical and shooting video. Please stop. And it was it was one of those things where I still see people doing that for their gym. And, and even sometimes they'll start vertical and then turn right. it sideways. But the camera doesn't switch right. in the middle of recording. So then the second half is So you're having to turn sideways. your head sideways to yeah. watch the video. Yeah. So I remember it was funny you were bringing that up, but like I didn't know, really notice how big of an issue that was until you really mentioned it. That you know, people still film vertical. So, so to touch on that, and, and I like to always be honest and upfront about things that I say and then how things change over the time. I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to retract that statement in the terms <laughs> of uh, it, when creating video, content video. But now Periscope uh, is a big thing. And Periscope likes, I guess, People seem to utilize the vi the video uh, vertically simply because it shows their face More. bigger. Mm -hmm. But I guess they don't realize that they could turn the camera and kind of just pull it closer, and it'll still uh, show you the face. And Instagram for a while, you know, was a box. Now both those things, uh, Periscope and Instagram, are allowing horizontal video like the way that it is. If we try to and let me just take a step back because I know that there are a bunch of video production companies and we just had to uh, do a project for somebody who needed vertical video and it's a real pain to shoot. There, If we were to kind of change everything that we have to accommodate vertical video, I mean, everything that we've had for the last, what, 25 years would have to get changed. Our Our laptops, our our iPads, our iPhones, our TV sets are all made for, for horizontal video. You know, vertical video, especially when you're putting it in Facebook, those black bars really look terrible and amateur. You don't need them. Just turn the phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On that note, are there any other considerations people need to take into account between posting videos on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope? I know, I know each has its own kind of limitations. Uh, but what are some of the simple tips people should keep in mind? So when you're posting stuff on different platforms, make it, I, I don't think that it's a good idea to um, post the same exact stuff on each individual platform. Like for instance, you can't post a video that's going to be more than 15 seconds on Instagram, right? right? So you make stuff that's specifically for Instagram, maybe a lead in or like a little montage of four or five clips. And then you saying one sentence, that's going to drive them over to whatever it is that you're trying to, to get them to. So if it's an opt-in page or if it's a, a website, 
utilize each platform for what it's for. Periscope is for live stuff. So if you, you're doing something, let's just take an example where, um, you know, you're a CrossFit box and you just released a new video for how to kind of shore up your anterior pelvic tilt, right? So you got the video that's living on Facebook or your website and your blog, and you want to keep that there. You want to create something that's going to kind of, <coughs> sorry about that. You're going to create something that for Instagram that kind of links into that, maybe taking little bits and pieces and creating a little montage for Instagram. And then for YouTube, that's the only place that I would say you want to double up your content. You don't want to take your content that's on YouTube and put it on Facebook because you'll severely lower your ranking on that post. You, uh, Facebook does not love when you are sending stuff from other sites onto Facebook. They want you to put it natively on Facebook. So try to keep the content specific for that platform. So Instagram loves visual stuff that's short. Make something visual that's short. Drive it to either your Facebook or your opt-in page. Facebook loves a little bit longer and tag up everybody, put it that way. And then YouTube, you can have it there so that you could get the benefit of the YouTube search engine that you know uh, people go and search on YouTube for. But that, that's what I would, I would suggest is to utilize each individual medium for what it's for. Yeah, I hear Gary Vee talk a lot about that as well. Like, not don't try to like mix everything together. And it really goes right. back to what you mentioned earlier about planning for the production ahead of time. You know, knowing where that content is going to be posted before you even shoot is really crucial. Yeah, planning is everything. Hey, you know, if you if you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. If you know what you're going to shoot, like if you have an idea of what you're going to shoot, then it's so much easier to, and you'll take so much less time to like create a little snippet for Instagram and create something for your opt-in page, create something for Facebook. But if you don't really know what you're trying to say or do, you'll be there for hours just trying to, you know, have, it's a lot of guesswork. So uh, we're, we're starting to finish up, but one of the things that I thought was really, really valuable that you talked about that I'd love for you to hit on here before we finish up is best apps for shooting video and any kind of iPhone accessories um, add-ons, any like cases, things like that. So like what would be like in your top list of gym owner bag of goodies, uh, as far as the apps and the add-ons. All right. So I'm going to just give myself a real quick plug here because <laughs> in the video authority, we're going to go over all of this stuff in detail, but I would say if you have an iPhone, two things that I love, uh, specifically that I use for pretty much the, the entire product that we filmed is the Action Life, Action Media, Action Life Media MCAM Pro. And it, what it is, is a milled aluminum case. You pop your iPhone in. It has a 37 millimeter wide angle on it and it gives the, the, the phone such a, a, a cinematic look. Um, if you don't have an iPhone and you have an Android or you have another type of phone, an LG or whatnot, you can get something called the Beast Grip Pro. And this is the new tool that I've been using a lot. And it's really great. Uh, it's adjustable to different size phones and it has a really solid handle on it. The other things that I would say that is a must have is a, is a light. So I use the Roto light. It's about $150, comes with a case, comes with a bunch of different gels that you can gel the light color to whatever it, whatever it is. You can mount it to the top of the Action Life Media or the Beast Grip Pro, 
And it just fills in, like I said, it fills in those dark circles that everybody gets from overhead light. Finally, a little microphone, if you can get it. A Rode mic would be even better. Um, there's a little bit of a learning curve with that because you need to have a, a breakout cable because uh, the way that the iPhone records, you need to have a way to monitor it as well. Um, finally, if you're going to spend any money, buy a, a, a good, reliable tripod, or you can get these uh, knockoffs for the Jobby Gorilla Pods on on Amazon or eBay for like eight nine dollars, and they're great. I, I use them in the uh, Video Authority to as a handhold thing or to to mount the uh, to mount the case somewhere. But the biggest thing I would say is to get that phone in some sort of case with a lens, because the phone itself, both the iPhone and the Androids, they have amazing cameras, but the lens just really takes the whole look of everything to the next level. It kind of quells the, um, it kind of like dulls the highlights a little bit to just make it a lot more cinematic. Plus it gives you a bigger, wider view. And for $150, you really can't go wrong. All right, so apps. There was, there was a couple apps you talked about I thought were pretty strong. Uh, one of them pro, was a ProCam. ProCam is – so I was going back and forth between – for the iPhone, there is ProCam and Filmic. Those are the two that I've been using back and forth. For a little bit, Filmic got uh, – was a little bit of buggy, but they shored up all that stuff, and Filmic is amazing. One of the things that I like about Filmic over – ProCam is the fact that you can adjust the bit rate, meaning that you could shoot something at like super high quality broadcast bit rate. This probably sounds like a different language to a lot of people, but you get such a better quality video as opposed to some of the stuff in ProCam, you can't actually change that bit rate. But ProCam sometimes is a little bit more uh, user friendly when you're just running and gunning. Now, if you're on the Android, iMovie Maker is similar to ProCam and Filmic. Right now, I keep going back and forth between ProCam and Filmic. Lately, I've been using Filmic a lot lately because the it's stable again, um, and the stuff that you could do with it is just like the slow motion that comes out of the cameras. the The, the look of 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 the iPhone footage is really incredible. I, I put it next to my $6,000 cinema camera and people can't, and I'm, I'm talking about people who are like my peers that we've been producing videos with for years. They can't, can't tell the difference. That's awesome. That makes me think, think we already get one ourselves. So I, I was looking at the B-Script Pro and that's a serious piece of uh, hardware for the camera. Yeah. For sure. Um, awesome. Well, uh, it was awesome having you uh, talk about some of these tips and tricks. This, this has been a very, very kind of tactical episode, I think, for, for owners that are trying to get into, get into producing content and producing video, um, especially like the, the, the tips and tricks near the end. I feel like that's, those are things that people can start using tomorrow, and uh, I'm definitely going to push this to everyone I know to have them start making some videos and some good ones. Yeah, Chris, thanks yeah. so much for being on the show with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. All right, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. All right. Thanks again for listening today. The Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy was produced by Matt Sharp, Jeremy Russell, and me, John Ruggi. To make sure you catch every episode, search for The Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. 
We're always looking for industry leaders to interview on the show. So if there's anyone you'd like to see us feature on a future episode, let us know at podcast at causely.com. That's causely.com. We are a production of Sweat Angels, the number one referral program for gym owners. Sweat Angels helps drive new members at your gym by combining Facebook check-ins with giving back. If you haven't heard of us, just go to causely.com forward slash Sweat Angels or search for us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy.